0: welcome my name is temp i'm dante and i'm herfie Durfee. and this is go mode a link to the past randomizer podcast this feels weird i don't like the energy of this as much this is our second take doing this for the first time ever we lost <laughs> the audio all right tim tell uh, them fortunately tell them what you did so we were about three minutes in fortunately it wasn't that much or else I think my co-host probably would have killed me Uh, but we were about uh, three minutes in and I had just done the intro and I decided that I wanted to stand up and I wanted to do the the news portion of this episode in a standing position for the first time ever and so I did that and I moved my mic stand up uh, so that it's angled so that you can actually hear me up here and I I think I thought I disconnected the microphone, but uh, apparently uh, both the boys could still hear me just fine. So that wasn't the case. But the recording did seem to stop. Uh, so because of that, we we had to throw that out. And this is now our second time starting the episode. So I'm sorry to you boys. I'm sorry that we we lost that time. I'm sorry to you listeners that you won't be able to hear our frankly better intro that we did a moment ago well the, the, but, um, the funny you know, part is on.
1: you could have just played it off like nothing ever happened but that's the kind of journalism we give you here at the go mode podcast completely honest right. and overly
0: thorough <laughs> Well, you know, when you don't have anything to talk about, even the most mundane occurrences become worth discussing in depth. And I think that's kind of what has happened here.
1: And speaking it's- of mundane occurrences, I think that's a really good segue into the first news
2: topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not quite sure why we're standing or supposed to.
0: stand? Oh, Are you guys standing too? I'm definitely not standing. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, I just, I, well, first of all, we just recorded a almost two hour long interview with F Coughlin on Z1R um, and also a little bit of Super Mario Brothers, three randomizer Zelda one randomizer as what Z1R is. Uh, and so we were sitting down for a long time to record that and uh, yeah, my butt hurt. So I wanted to <laughs> stand up okay, for this part. Uh, that's a fair reason, but what kind of chair you got
2: <laughs> going back to the, to the intro that the audience is not privy to at the moment. You made it sound like, We're going to salute the
0: heroes of the long Zelda war or something. No, (laughs) Uh, I put a lot of fanfare behind it again for, for the reason that I just stated. Um, sometimes you have to just take really boring stuff and, and make it interesting. Uh, that's podcasting baby. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I believe it. Um, yeah, dancy so tell, you had such a good transition into our news. Can you can you hit us with that again? Yeah, the, speaking the, of mundane the
1: occurrences, card. we can talk about our first uh part yeah. of the the league exhibition that took place uh a week ago or at this point a week and a half ago. Uh mm-hmm. we uh had so pseudo boots have been in development for a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I mean they kind of got churned out pretty quick by Bonta. And um it, it, it kind of solved the puzzle. So a lot of people had an issue with starting boots, uh, not so much with league. This is, this predates the league ever even say anything about it. And, uh, like, you know, cause it, when you start with boots, like casual boots, you can check bonk rocks at the very beginning. You want to end up checking the lumberjack tree potentially, because, you know, there's probably not a time you're going to go back there again. Uh, you know, just the scout stuff. And then, you know, library is a free item. And that, that kind of removes some of the puzzle element. Well, the idea was, what if we had some boots to allow the dashing mechanic and remove everything else that boots do logically or even, we'll say, illogically, like with hovering and such. Um, and that's how pseudo boots came to be. Uh, that's why the bonk animation looks phenomenal, because it doesn't knock you back the full boot length because that would still uh you know change the logic so this way it kind of kept it intact but it hadn't been raced like it hadn't even really some people had kind of screwed around with it but no one had really done a whole lot with it and this was a really good opportunity just to kind of drum up conversation in the league discord uh as we are starting to approach season four and see if people like this or not and you know we've got uh You know, we're finishing up our like voice call meetings uh, as far as the admins and mods go and uh, for the league. And we're trying to get everything finalized. We want to make this as enjoyable uh, of an experience for everybody that likes boots. And I'm kidding. Uh, That's what everybody thinks, though. But we wanted to at least say this was given a fair shot. Like we wanted to try it out. So we announced it and we got like these like tinfoil foil hat conspiracy theories that we were trying to inject boots into the world i guess the fact that we did quick swap with dunka in that latter season last time last mm-hmm. fall it worked so well they thought we were changing the scope of rando and if we do kind of like with that so be it like that's i think that was an overall positive change yeah um i don't think that we are I don't know if people actually think this, but I really felt like people thought we were just these. I don't know, tyrants that were just like, this is how Rando is going to be now, which is definitely not the case. Uh, It was more of a let's just see how this goes. And it 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 was met with some, you know, some opinions changed. They were like, this isn't so bad. It takes a little getting used to. And then there were just some that were way out in left field that just Mm -hmm. I felt like thought. We were really trying to have an agenda and I, I I mean, I'm sorry we gave that, you know, impression, but we were, we weren't, (laughs) it was like, let's just try this out. Let's, you know, an SG daily, you know, nothing against the SG dailies, but you know, there's not really going to be a ton of people doing those. um, Unless there's like a ton of announcements about, Hey, we're doing this very specific mode. So we figured to drum up some league hype. Uh, Let's do that. And that's that's honestly all it was. And uh, I don't even know if we're going to do anything with these or not. I I honestly still haven't finalized my opinion. I was out of town last week on Saturday, so I missed the first two races and then I was busy all day Sunday. So uh, we'll discuss it. We'll figure out how we're going to do things and see if we can make the best kind of league for everybody. I guess that's probably the from the admin perspective, the whole pseudo boots thing that how that came to be and. You know what we're we're doing, but I, I I will say that a lot of people enjoy like especially with some of those cross key seats they were long like these were one of those ones where it was like a breadcrumb trail like almost the entire time and everybody was ended up last locationing one piece after the next so uh, the boots I think really did aid in that considering most of the times we're still around the two and a half hour mark
0: mm-hmm. it's yeah it's really interesting so to to kind of summarize all of this uh this. It was discovered that it was possible to create this mode where boots are uh, still apart; they're still in the world, and you can find them, and they have the same logical, um, you know, consequences in terms of opening certain walls and bonking, you know, off like library shelf and torches and things like that. But you can still you can still run around the world um, before you actually collect that boots item which obviously is great because now everything is faster. You get everywhere you're trying to go a lot faster and uh, the seeds take less time. Um, but since it was rolled out the way that it was uh, in association with the league, it had this weird and I'll admit to even thinking this for a second too. When I saw the announcement about coming from league about pseudo boots at, like what my mind immediately jumped to was like, it's going to be a pseudo boots season. Every single mode is going to be pseudo boots now, you know, before anyone had even played it. And then I actually read it and was like, Oh, it's just an exhibition. We don't even know for sure if they're using it or not. They just happened to be using this platform to announce it. Um, So there was definitely some sensationalism, like you're saying that I could detect in the community of people like really getting bent out of shape about this. Um, So kind of putting that aside, I just want to talk about, uh, you know, the kind of the other thing that you mentioned, which is like, this is a, this could be potentially kind of a big change to the game. And let's say that we do try it and it gets adopted and people love it. And it kind of becomes the new quick swap where like, it's kind of big. It's like the default, like most people have pseudo boots on, it becomes the community standard and accepted. Um, Do you think that's possible? I guess let's start there.
1: I think it could be a fracturing thing for the community. There there's more varying opinions on this right now than there were with Quickswap. Um Quickswap, I feel like, had a very small uh hatred, I guess we'll say. Like, yeah, a small there, was, subset. there wasn't
0: a lot of opponents, yeah, to it.
1: The the thing is, and and people say, well, if you look in the, the league discord, everybody seemed to hate pseudo boots. And I don't really think that's the case. I think everyone who hated it ran their mouth which is fine you're entitled entirely to do that as long as you're you know everybody kind of stayed within the league guidelines as far as like you know not attacking anybody else so you know let them let them have the the day there uh i think most people who were kind of like me uh, looking at it from the player perspective i would like to see how they function uh i don't want to have an opinion until i've tried it and I've only played through one seed with pseudo boots so far and it was, it was fun. It felt like starting boots with a different logic puzzle. I enjoy starting boots. Uh, I made that known in the league discord. Like I was one of the yeah. admins that would like to see more starting boots modes, mainly for, like time sake, um, mainly for just ease of, you know, movement. Um, I think it, I personally think if you're good with boots, you are, um, you know, the, the upper skilled players are going to have an easier time, you know, running around with boots, knowing when and when not to use them, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that's just kind of like my hot take, but, uh, I, uh, that's uh, again, opinion, I guess we'll say yeah. nothing factual about that.
0: I have one other thought that I want to share on this, but before I do, I'm curious to hear where her f- falls on this, you know, as someone who's just kind of hearing about all this and, you know, obviously hasn't tried, tried it, uh, and hasn't played in a while like what, what do you just what do you think about this whole like conversation
2: i mean i've been kind of privy to some other conversation that was happening even before the league decided to uh post exhibition matches just due to the fact that i'm on a couple of discords with Bonta, and he was the one developing this patch if you want to call it uh so i, I kind of knew what it was and how it was shaping up to work and that your agent decided that some exhibition matches might be a good idea and stuff like that. Um, my take on the whole thing is uh, I understand where people are coming from. And I think it's a, it's a good thing for the most part. But at the same time, I mean, you know, disregarding the hat, crazy conspiracy theories and all the insane reasoning that some people have come up with to what this might lead to or whatever. But, uh, I think in general, it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, and I understand why people want that, uh, for, you know, I, I don't know what to call a Quality of life, maybe in a way, you know, going fast feels good and stuff yeah. like that. And usually the, the, the people that like casual boots or that are now very much for these pseudo boots, Usually they, they say, well, you know, if you look at the NMG run of this game, you get boots immediately after the first dungeon, basically like, you know, you spend like 90% of the game having the boots. Right. So the game is kind of laid out for you or made with the boots in mind. Yeah. It's not really that different from, from what the normal link to the past experience is. If you start out with boots. And then on the other side, there's people who are like, well, you know, I enjoy the boots being a logic item and and just being another item that you might have to find. And that has logic implications, which the pseudo boots kind of solve in a way. So I understand both sides and I'm generally more in favor of it, but to cut it short, uh, I can totally understand the other side as well, because it's sort of like, you know, I understand wanting to go fast and it's like a quality of life thing and it feels better. But it's sort of like saying, yeah, but I wanna start Super Metroid with, you know, the speed booster or whatever (laughs) other stuff, you know. I wanna I wanna start the game with an activated flute because just fluting everywhere feels better. So, you know, i I kinda see how it could be a slippery slope. I don't think it's gonna be that, and I don't think pseudo-boots work towards that. I think they try to find a balance to, you know, avoid that slippery slope, but still give people that better feeling. But I I totally get why people would think that.
0: Yeah. Um, the, The one thing that I wanted to share is just that I think the fear is, you know, a lot of a lot of us have learned like bootsless strats for a lot of the game and they don't come up that often. But it's like you know, it's, it's a completely, it's like a, it's a part of the whole thing right now, you know, like all of those strats that you have to learn. Like I, I think of like going up GT without boots and how different that is. Um, you know, some, even just some of the like puzzles you have to solve and, you know, lighting torches and stuff becomes a lot more difficult when you don't have boots. But on the other hand, like good, like maybe, maybe it's good that those are gone. So as a, you know, philosophically, it seems like a, a, like you said, a slippery slope. I think that's a perfect way to describe it. But as a player, when you, when you're the one playing these seeds all the time, like, is it better to have boots? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's give ourselves boots. We know how to do that. So I don't know. Like I still, I feel weird about it, but the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of come around to it as a concept. And, um, I think I would have to play quite a bit to know for sure if I would be okay, if this became like the norm, you know? But yeah, that's fair. We just won't know until we see more people see more people play it and play it ourselves.
1: And, you know, like I said, we haven't fully discussed like finalized things for league. So those who Mm -hmm. are interested in league, um, we hear you. I don't know what we're going to do, but I can, I can guarantee you that the entire league is not going to be all starts with boots or all starts with pseudo boots. Uh, the, the fact that we put in there, in the announcement that maybe we would start one or two weeks with these pseudo boots. Uh, it was complete speculation on our part. And, uh, I can't say for sure that'll happen. And, you know, it, it really just depends on if, like if we can even do it, you know, this was on a, you right. know, it was, don't forget you were on a test website. It wasn't from the main website with like an API code. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know,
2: it, it was literally an experiment. So we'll, we'll, and- we'll just, we'll see. Yeah, another thing to keep in mind along with what Dante just said is uh, just because the possibility is now in the code doesn't mean it's going to be a thing immediately. Because A, think back to how long people were in quote unquote fighting to get quick swap in or arguing about putting quick swap in. That definitely didn't happen within a week or two or a month even. Uh, Both the ladder, the next ladder season, as well as SGL decided against using pseudo boots just because there's not enough data and there's not enough stuff yet. And we don't know if we like it or not. So it's all, you know, very early on in, in its gestation phase, I guess. So all the doom and gloom that people are bringing up of how this will change the face of Randall and it will ruin everything and yada, yada, yada. You can dial it down a little bit before it's it's (laughs) probably going to be like a year or something before anything substantial happens. Other than, you know, we might have a week of league with pseudo boots on just to give it a fair shake. I'm hoping regardless of what the outcome is, yes or no for this being, you know, the new thing to use, I'm hoping it's not going to take as long as Quickswap took. And yeah. I think stuff like the exhibition matches in League and maybe even having a week or two in League where this gets used
0: go a long way for that. So I, I personally welcome that a lot. Mm. Speaking of new modes for League, we have one that has been announced that is for sure going to be included. And this is being called FAD Keys. This stands for Faux AD Keys or Faux All Dungeon Key Sanity. So what this is quite simply, it's the exact same thing as all dungeon key sanity with one key difference. It puts the two castle tower, small keys, In their place where they go which means that you don't have to wonder about any essential items being shuffled into castle tower and if you're able to find all your dark world access outside of aga you don't have to do aga so this is another i mean to go along with the pseudo boots thing it's i think this is a very similar kind of situation where we're taking something that is perfectly reasonable to have been randomized by the game and saying Oh no, 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 not that part. We we don't want that part randomized and, uh, making it a better playing experience. This is a little easier to swallow, I think, because it's a mode. Um, so it's very easy to just say, well, I don't want to play that mode and now, okay, you don't have to worry about it. I don't think, you know, faux AD keys is going to become the def- the default anytime soon, but it's very much a-, a similar situation. Um, and you know, as someone who, uh, we, we were just talking very recently about dark aga and, and how sometimes you may or may not have to do that in different entrance and key modes. And, you know, this is just another reason yeah. to not have to worry about stuff like that even more. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, to me,
1: to, so here's the deal. I mean, it's kind of countering what you just said there with ad faux 80 keys or fad keys. You're going to have to do aga regardless. It's all dungeons after all. Um, one of the least fun scenarios to be in in a competitive match in 80 keys uh, is where's my last castle tower small or, or in fact, where are both of my castle tower smalls uh, heading into GT or heading up the climb of GT, you know, and you've got all these one offs potentially laying around the world and uh, it may be fun for Twitch chat. It's not fun for the runners. Uh, and mm. I don't think we're ever going to get my mode of AAD, which is almost all dungeons where you can just skip Castle Tower.
0: Uh, See, yeah, I totally forgot you have to do AGA anyway. Right. Uh,
1: so huh. I like the concept of almost all dungeons. And I think this is a good, with the way the game's coded right now, this is a good counterpoint to that. Yes, it does kind of break a little bit of the timing of going into AGA and looking for items, you know, maybe out of logic we talked about. However, Um, And I I credit uh, Megawatt for this. Uh, He brought up to uh, one of the league admins at one point that when in playing this casually, like racing with some friends, uh, it brings up an idea of you could do uh, Aga almost at any given point once you have the loadout. And I guess that would really depend. You know, do you want to do it right now instead of after GT? Because maybe you do want the. The pyramid spawn point, and that's a good way to get you that. So your save and quits would take you there. Um, it adds a little bit of strategic element uh, sometimes. And the biggest fear we had was, is this going to cause a keys mode to be like heavily weighted towards Aga for Dark World? And what we've seen in you know people playing it is no, uh, because it's keys, it definitely does not. Um, you know, uh, and it doesn't start with a sword, so it kind of makes it a little a little more balanced that way, but, but yeah, like we're, we're definitely dead set on that. That's going to replace 80 keys. Uh, so you're still getting your AD keys, but with a little bit of F on top of it. And I, I, <laughs> I joked when we talked about calling it fad keys that we were just going to call it fear agent keys, uh, <laughs> you know, because he was like, let's just put the keys vanilla. And then here we are. Um, mm. So yeah, it should be, uh, should be a lot of fun. I think I'm, I'm looking forward to that a little more. We're seeing that like on restreams now, so we can see how things go with it.
2: So okay. uh, to to once again show my age and uh, that I liked wrestling when I was young, you're unlike the WWF who had to change it, their name to WWE and their slogan mm-hmm. was "Get the F out." You're getting the F in. Is yeah, pretty much. Saying?
0: Yeah, get yeah, the F, F nice. in.
2: Get the F in. All right. Uh, to to actually contribute something.
0: No, uh, that was great i, lo- I get I, I remember that campaign so that's one of the best right? campaigns i can think of yeah they
2: really they they they're like you know that was a really great example of live giving you lemonade uh giving you lemons mm-hmm. and you're making lemonade out of it i think they did mm-hmm. a great job there absolutely but um you were yeah you were gonna yeah, say i was gonna say, <laughs> say for, for this fad keys mode here <clears throat> I think this is a change and it might just be, I I haven't played AD keys in forever and I haven't played this pad keys mode at all, but maybe it just seems to me like that. But as a, from just reading the small change that is being made here, I feel like the, it, it how do I explain this? I feel like this kind of makes the transition or makes it seem like the transition from going from the more normal modes to a mode like AD keys. Makes it a little bit smoother because at least for me personally, the whole Aga tower thing uh, with, you know, not having the keys where they're supposed to be, maybe having progression items, being able to be sequence broken by doing dark Aga and all that stuff. It's always seemed kind of daunting and weird and just yeah. you know out of practice for what you're usually doing when you're playing rando. If you're, if you're not one who plays a lot of key sanity and stuff like that. It's constantly like missed and forgotten. Yeah, exactly. So, so knowing that these are more or less vanilla, I do have to kill Aga at some point, obviously because it's a D, but, uh, I know that the keys are going to be in there and then I can go in sort of whenever I want and not necessarily dictated by the logic. Uh, I feel like that kind of smooths over the transition and makes it a little bit more accessible for people who might be scared of this, which I think is a good thing. People might say, you know, it overall lowers the skill ceiling for AD keys because now you're guaranteed to not have anything in there and you might not have to do dark aga and all that stuff. But, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, having greater accessibility or making it a little easier to access for people outside of the key sanity
0: mode players is
2: probably a good thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't have as much of a problem or I don't think this one is uh, problematic as problematic as the pseudo boots thing is. Like I said, just by being in its own mode Oh, well, nobody complained being, about this. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, it's all good. At At least, they definitely have similarities, but they're yeah, they're yeah. different. And to put a nice bow on
1: all this league talk <laughs> season four, September 20th, be watching. If you're interested in making a team like listen, if you're re- if you're trying to make a new team, we had we had like a couple of groups message just two weeks after registration closed and we had just like finished making our group stuff last year. Do not do not miss out September 20th uh, is when it starts, not registration. <clears throat> registration is going to be much sooner. So league discord, hit it up if you're really interested in like making one of the open league teams.
0: Yep. <laughs> Cool. All right, let's move on. So, uh, speed gaming live has announced for their upcoming STL 2021 tournament. They are going to be using, I guess what you could kind of describe as like a tweaked item pool for all of the games that happen in that tournament. So, um, check the description of this episode and we'll have a link to the changes that they are making. And, um, We are looking at them right now. Uh, Does one of you maybe want to just briefly go over what these changes are and then we can talk about them.
1: So let's just kind of jump in here. Um, It is going to be a casual boots, we'll call it. Um, However, it is going to have some caveats. This might be I'm going to say might uh, kind of be the new
2: competitive hard mode. We'll call it uh is all right, kind of- uh, hang on before you get into this i just remembered i'm very sorry but i i thought this was funny because as you're talking about what this mode is uh the, the google document that we're using for the sgl staff that has all the information in it what all the tournaments are and who's responsible and who the community contacts are and everything mm-hmm. the ALCTPR mm-hmm. one says category casual boots comma with a modified item pool mimicking heart pool in brackets Cynic, so make this. So that, that's what this mode is called. Cynic, so make wow. this. Wow, okay. That's all
0: right, perfect. No, SMT, the SMT mode. Yeah, I love it. All right. Sorry for, for that. <laughs> no, that's
1: perfect. So um, all four swords are going to be available to you. Obviously, you will be starting with one, um, but it will cap at three. And the remaining one is a green 20. We are used to that from hard mode. So not that big of a change there. Uh, Number two, all shields are placed and you are capped at the fighter shield, the the babby shield, as it were. Um, The remaining shields will be replaced with five rupees, as in blue rupees, no longer the 20s. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a difficulty add there to for money management, potentially. Mm. Um, The next step, number three, uh, the armor is now capped at blue mail. So it's not green mail only. Um, and there's a reason for this. We'll get into it in just a bit, but the other, uh, both placed. but the second one is also going to be a five rupee drop. So blue rupee again. Um, number four, this is a little different here, but all four bottles are placed, but they're going to cap at two. Again, the remaining two will be replaced with five rupees. Um, the remaining two bottles are always empty. You will never get a fairy in it. You will never find a blue potion in it, even a green potion, uh, not even a bee that you can sell, just empty. So, this is kind of mimicking um, what the SMZ3 community does for theirs. Like, if you find bottles in SMZ3, you never have anything in it. Uh, and I do think this adds a little bit of difficulty. I do like, uh, you know, the, the counter of this is I do like that there's a potential for um, some management of your. Uh, resources when you mm-hmm. find something with you know something within your bottle but having nothing kind of keeps it the difficulty level up we'll say um we are for the next step temp we're going back to the island what we're going back to the island and by the island i mean uh non-progressive bows which is a blessing so we're going to have a bow And the Silver Arrows are going to be separate because, yes, they can change the tide of a match. Uh, We saw that in tournaments past when the Silver Arrows were available. So that's going to be a thing again. Uh, And I think I think it's a good thing. And uh, clearly you sound like you have some some dislike of that.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah, go ahead and finish. Yeah, let's get to our hot takes after this.
1: All right. And then, uh, so six half magic is replaced with a small magic decanter. So there will be like, you know, a little babby magic drop just popping out of a chest potentially or on a boss, which would be even funnier to me. Uh, and then lastly, to kind of figure out your health situation, there are only two boss heart containers placed, and then there's 32 heart pieces placed. So you still get a max of 14 hearts if you get everything. But this is kind of why I think the blue mail has been added in uh, instead of just green mail, because there's a very, very high chance you are going to be probably sub 10 hearts if you get a nice quick seed, so to speak, uh, you know, and maybe even less than that. So it's going to add some levels of difficulty. Um, so it's this is the new tweaked hard mode, we'll call it.
2: I think this last item has the biggest potential to still be changed, but we we can talk about that once we all go through
1: our thoughts about this i guess yeah it's uh yeah. and keep keep this in mind this is this is the very important part if you didn't listen to anything before you start getting your keyboards ready this is the part <laughs> to listen to this is not finalized this is a draft setting completely yes draft setting it'll be finalized soon but this is publicly available so yes you can go play test this out stuff like that uh i think that, that whenever this is finalized i i Think Duncan made an announcement about this on ladder?
2: Is that you right? You are thinking correctly. We are including that as one of our modes in the next season. And uh, I think the the current draft settings are also already on Sostrombot with like a, a pre made thing. So you can just get him to make you a seed with exactly these settings and just play test to your heart's content and then give your feedback.
0: Mm. Um. Okay. So I've I've been standing for over 30 minutes now, so I'm feeling a little ornery. So (laughs) we'll take all of this with a grain of salt. Also, uh, I I want to start by saying that I don't plan on playing in SCL 2021. All right. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This does not affect me. My opinion matters for absolutely nothing. Uh, I did not realize before now that this is essentially a draft of like hard mode, like a, a new sort of official hard mode that might be. Um, you know, something you can generate from the website, say like if, and when V 32 comes out or something like that. Um, uh, so that makes this a little uh, easier to deal with. But, uh, when I first, you know, found out that this was something that was being done for STL and I read through it, it made me very glad that I'm not participating in STL. Uh, I do not understand the, and this is the same thing that happened with the main tournament and qualifiers and, and that, you know, that whole, that whole layout, I don't understand why we have to make this game harder. It's already a really hard game. I mean, I get it. I get that there are people who are really, really good at this game and need a challenge. And I also understand that the more you make the challenge execution based, the more likely you are to actually find someone who is objectively better, because when you do put in a bunch of safeties and stuff like that, you kind of give a weaker player an out to maybe like galaxy brain route and beat someone who they had no right to to be beating so i get that i get why we're doing the hard mode thing it it is whatever it's just frustrating to me as someone a community member who likes to try to be involved with these sort of things when these are placed because it's like uh well you know me I guess you know like i'm uh, this is not I'm not going to be able to do anything with this tournament i'm just I'm going to be eliminated quickly and and watching from the sidelines, and I guess that's fine, you know there's there's other tournaments for me. It's just frustrating like and i've I've said as much before like <clears throat> when the whole main tournament thing happened, but like i i I, my, I know my opinion counts for nothing. I don't expect anything to change. I just personally am just like i I can't help but just like be annoyed by all so, these like hard settings that keep getting rolled out
1: let me counter let me counter with this, okay. Um, so let's say it was just casual boots and just, just normal preset casual boots. Uh, if that was what SGL 2021 was in your head, do you have a chance to win the whole tournament? Not, not a race, the whole
0: tournament, uh, to win. No, but to get further than if it wasn't. Yeah, probably. Okay. So
1: again grain of salt uh one if you should always think you can win Tim. that uh, you gotta <laughs> have some confidence in yourself but okay. two that, that, that was a setup question but two it, it's kind of like it's not that we don't want john doe appearing and luck sacking their way to finals you know or a top eight to you know potentially get a payout in a money tournament since this is a money tournament but mm-hmm. it's just the thought behind all this is how can we get the most competitive yet fun to watch for the viewer with some definite opportunity for like v- variety uh in their routing and also you know outcome you know like somebody skips a couple things and it pans out for them like you still get that with this i don't think it mm-hmm. puts a detriment on the randomization puzzle i don't think it puts a detriment on that. If it raises the, the difficulty, I think that's fine. Uh, I think you, you should be able to try and adapt and overcome. Uh, I don't think this mode is that hard. Um, haven't played it yet uh, on paper. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound too hard. I, I plan to play one this week to give it a play test. Uh, so that that that's also a grain of salt. Me saying, I don't think it's that hard. I also didn't think hard mode was that hard, you know, like just the what well, we used in
0: the main tournament. So this at least gives you a male, which was my main gripe with the main tournament was always having to be green male. The whole time is is hellacious when you get into the, to the dark world and things do four hearts of damage. It's like, what what do you expect me to do? You know, don't touch so, uh, that. That is a huge. That's yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know what you expect. Easier but, said than yeah. done. Easier said than exactly. done. Like,
1: I mean, exactly. You know, I I took my fair share of deaths. I, I will say that, like, death warping with green male is so much nicer but you know considering like I, i think it was p Train who said this in a certain discord that uh when you have as many heart pieces and containers in hard mode and then like the overflow ends up giving you uh the green 20s it ends up where you're gonna hit the max health almost every single time especially if it's a breadcrumb like seed where it's very linear and that's what we've seen a lot that's what we saw a lot in the main tournament uh, I can't, I don't even know if there was a race in the main tournament where I finished under 10 hearts. Now, mm-hmm. under 10 hearts, green mill gauntlet into Gannon, you know, like GT climb into Gannon. That's, that's a little tough, you know, to manage all of your resources. You know, you can't do some damage boost things like, you know, running over the spikes in the first room of the climb. Um, the blue mail is not really going to solve that, but it's going to give you a little more of a safety for when mm-hmm. you potentially screw up. At least, uh, you know, at least that's kind of what I think.
0: Yeah. Like I said, I, I get it. It's just, it, it's, it almost feels like, um, uh, so when the community was a little bit smaller, it was like, we were all in the community, even though clearly some were better than others. This feels like maybe a bit of a splintering where it's like, I it's reached the point where like, I'm not ever going to be involved in one of these main tournaments because i've been uh like outskilled that's not the right word but like you know it's like there are finally like professional leagues of this game that are kind of starting to formulate and not just anybody can walk in and play them which is more realistic and it's fine and it's a natural evolution um it's just a realization of that i think where it's like oh, okay well i'll i'll stick to my challenge cups and my my you know spin-off tourneys and my o- o- open leagues and whatnot, you know
1: yeah. And that's, that's fine. If it, you know, I, I get that opinion. I don't really think we're, tr- I, I honestly don't think that anybody's trying to gatekeep anybody out of here based on skill, but, uh, I, it's, it's kind of like how can we make it a little more competitive? Uh, you know, I, I think SGL also like, let, let's look at this from the SG standpoint, just the SG standpoint, they probably want to put on a good show and get a lot of viewers I'm not sure where the contracts are like in 2021, but I'm sure they've got some sponsor obligations. So mm-hmm. um, I think I, I on paper I think not just that the mode's going to be fun to play. I do think that it, it's probably going to produce some good uh, like quality of life or like good quality, I guess I should say um, content to watch as well.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Alright, well let's uh yeah go ahead. I just
2: you know from my side of things, I uh I, I don't think I'm telling you anything new. Tim you're like fully aware of why this is bothering you, and I totally get that because I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. At this point I'm I'm probably much worse than you in execution and playing rando if we were to play a match against each other because I can't even do diver down or anything like that, you know, so Mm -hmm. I I totally get, you know, kind of having to be like, all right, well, I guess that means either I, you know, start foregoing anything else and start practicing like a madman or I'm just kind of done with main tournaments. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm going to pull out an uh, an analogy from my StarCraft days and it's not perfect, but I think it's kind of fitting uh, there used to always be a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot of balance whining and balance discussion in the forums and everywhere you look, basically, you know, this race is Zimba, this unit is Zimba, this is OP, that sucks too much. And uh, the, the 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 end point of every discussion was always you have to balance around around the top 1%. Yeah. You have to balance around the pro players because you can't balance around the dude, you know, that plays once a week and loses half of his matches because he doesn't know how to build the correct buildings. Because that's just not going to work. You need, to, you need to be competitive at the top. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the problem that you have here. Yes, with you know a normal casual boot setting, you and me would probably get further into the tournament, but it would be more or less the same players at the top end, at the end of the brackets. With the difference being it stops coming down to skill and execution and being better at the game. And it starts, you know, the variance or the variance of the, the whole thing starts mattering much more when you pit top players against each other, because, mm-hmm. you know, one guy skips that location and the other guy doesn't skip it. And it has, you know, the, the go mode item or whatever. And suddenly, you know, they lost not on execution, but because they made the wrong choice or made the wrong gamble. And so yeah. once you you get kind of around to that point, you, you, you sort of need to raise the difficulty. So it, it, it comes back down to, you know, who executes better, who can survive these odds better, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Like you said, I, I understand it. I'm not I, I guess I'm just sort of venting yeah. more than anything. Um, and it, what you're saying makes perfect sense about balancing around the, the top. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I do want I I want a good, fair competition with exciting matches. And I want the person who seems to have the highest summation of skill to win, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I also want to see a few upsets as well. So and I'm confident that's going to they'll get that. But I I think they would get that even with a normal item pool. So that but that's that's me.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. And I, I think this is similar to let's backtrack the the fad keys, the pseudo boots. I think it's a mm-hmm. nice experiment. And um, you know, anything to see what we can do. Like you know, we may get through this and say, man, that stuff that sucked. Like, <laughs> you know, and it may just be yeah. that's kind of cool. Let's look at that for another tournament down the line. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. Um mm-hmm. it's gonna be weird, you know, I guess uh I guess none of us are going to enter Speed Gaming Live this year.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Herf, are you helping out on the admin side? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're you're bossing
1: around somebody, aren't you?
0: (laughs) Yes, I
2: am officially Dante's boss. Wow. you (laughs) an intern? I'm the primary tournament manager. So we had a a voice call meeting just to quickly explain a little bit what, what this is all about. Uh, we had a staff voice call meeting on Thursday. Uh, it was like Fiesel and Sinehek and Clifford and Miss Metroid and all the other SG staff. And uh, we were talking about all the tournaments and what was going on and so on and so forth. And uh, it turns out that Sinek has kind of overloaded himself a little bit as he is you know, to do. known to do. Yeah. So uh, I switched over to be a primary tournament manager for ALTTPR and he's the backup and Dante is our first primary tournament organizer as it's called in this document. Uh, the, the name on the discord is all sorts of confusing because on the discord Dante's is a tournament admin and I'm staff 2021 so uh, <laughs> who even knows anymore but
0: that's what this document says. Uh, Wait I'll- so so you you're you're an admin and dante's doing something. Can I have a job?
2: I mean, we could maybe. I don't
1: you know. You can get a green yeah, name. Be,
0: I want something to do. You want a green name? You can get yeah. a green name for volunteering. Yeah, you'd be a commentator, I, and i I don't mind i I don't mind applying and earning it either. So I'm happy to submit my resume um, once we're done with this recording. Yeah,
2: I'll have to I'll have to talk <laughs> to the other guy. We'll
0: see what what other positions are open. No. I'm just I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did feel left out for a second though I was like man both y'all are doing it I want to do it but no it's, it's not it's not correct yeah and um, it's
2: just basically all the other staff the, the tournament organizers as they're called here on the on the sheet are more or less the go-betweens between the community and the tournament managers more for stuff like uh, I w- I'm also responsible for example for uh the blood stand uh what's it called what's the full name ritual, of the, and- night. ritual, ritual of the ritual night ritual of the night that's what it's called right ritual of the nor- night rando bingo uh we got enough donations to have that as a tournament in there and I'm responsible for that somehow i know absolutely nothing about the game except for that <laughs> i play through it normally once uh, but we invited on bad moons who is the rando dev and alucard who we also know from the alttpr community Mm-hmm. He is the dev of the rando bingo cards that you're using. Oh, cool. And they've agreed to help out as tournament organizers and they're kind of, you know, the go-betweens. They'll help us select uh what what categories, what modes, what the settings should be. Uh they'll help people out that have trouble generating everything. They'll help neck out with like bot automation to have like API points where the bot can connect to and they'll help out Fiesel with which trackers they're using so he can put something on the stream when it's restreamed and that's kind of what the tournament organizes so the tournament admins what Dante is also doing doing but since we know a little bit more about how altcpr works it's more of a tournament admin-ish job that Dante is doing and less you know explaining to us how Randall works Mm-hmm.
1: I honestly don't know what my job is yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm very <laughs> excited to, to, to help.
2: It's all nice. very wishy-washy at the moment, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not like the thing's going on, but they haven't announced anything yet about how the mode is going to go, or I'm sorry, how the format's going to go. Um, that is still all up in the air, but as soon as, considering we have two insiders, uh, as soon <laughs> as there is some official word on what is going to happen, we'll make sure we break that news to you
0: excellent all right in the interest of time we should probably move on um, yeah. just a few more things to go over here uh so did want to announce that uh, new racing council members have been announced um so uh on the go mode podcast website there's a page that i update um just as sort of a charity to the community you're welcome uh with all of the, the most recent <laughs> thanks uh i just update it with who's on racing council who used to be on it links to their twitch pages and whatnot uh, so that is updated we'll put a link to that in the description uh, do you dante since you're on the racing council and a leader would you like to let us know um who has stepped down and who has stepped up for the racing council yeah
1: um well uh you're i was going to use your website since i didn't have it pulled up and that way i didn't miss any names but it like completely <laughs> just uh
0: It's sort of hard to parse who's new and who's... The server
1: just decided to poop on itself. Uh, Oh,
0: yeah, that happens sometimes. um, We have a garbage website. It's 100% my fault.
1: Oh, hey, it came up. (coughs) Perfect. (laughs) There we go. All right, so departing from the council uh, will be Jet082, uh, which he is one of the few that are left, I'll say, from the council's inception. We do thank Jet for all his good work. While well, Megawatt will be departing as well, uh, co-leader along with um, co-leader along with me and Amerith, uh, P-Train, will be leaving the council after three terms. Sailor Nep is departing after two terms. Uh, I'll, I'll go back and plug Megawatt was on for two terms as well, and uh, also Thalane will be departing after uh, one term. So we do thank everybody for kind of. <laughs> I guess what's the word, uh, you know, doing your civil duty, I guess we'll call it mm-hmm. as a racer, um, you know, as, as being someone who's very involved civic in the, duty, civic duty. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Whatever. Perfect. Uh, civic. Yeah. I, I have a car called a civic. I should know that it's civic <laughs> dude anyway. Um, but yeah, that's uh, super, super exciting. Uh, the new members, uh, Krell bell uh, has been added in as well <clears throat> as a uh, Teto or Tito uh, from the German community uh so 15 from uh the portuguese community very involved there uh willard j bradley uh that's a name you might know uh so mm-hmm. he is in now i think is that all five am i missing one relkin Relkin. oh yeah one. relkin uh yeah <laughs> relkin from uh also in the sgl winner of last year and uh league co-league ad- admin with all of us um Yeah, it should be. It should be a good term. Uh, I'm hoping it's a good term. It it was pretty maintenance last term for Mm -hmm. Uh, we haven't, you know, obviously voted on leaders yet. That is kind of ongoing. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Who wants to step up and try to volunteer their their time even more so. And um, yeah, well, that's basically it.
0: Beautiful. All right. Yeah. uh, Good luck and Godspeed to racing council. Term five. May your gavels be guided by logic and reason. Uh, Is that, that is that, is that anything? Yeah. I don't know what that was. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, moving on. So uh, as we have been reporting to you uh, each episode, there are some community tournaments that are going on right now. We're just going to briefly uh, check into each of these. First, we have the pilot spoiler. Dante, how's that going?
1: Uh, we finished our groups. Uh, Lilith and I, we finished five and one. I think I might, depending on how 2C and Will goes against everybody else with their remaining matches, if they finish five and one for seeding, we might have to play a tiebreaker. I'm not 100% sure because we split with them. And um, other than that, I'm looking forward to waiting for brackets. I think we're guaranteed to move on to the bracket at that point. So uh, I think everybody's everybody playing. It's having a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. All right. And then we have cross keys, which is uh, they just finished week five. It looks like Uh, round five, I should say. So we've got um, three more rounds to go and then brackets. So they're they're well into the thick of it. We'll, we'll come back to them. And then we have HMG, which is actually winding up to its final match here uh, as of the date of this recording. Oh, no. Get out of here. Advertisement. OK, so uh, we do know one finalist, PRD Wong. Um, they will be going up against either Spleeby or Krithel for the HMG crown. So uh, probably next episode, we'll be able to tell you. Who is the HMG champion?
1: I'll be honest. Tuesday. Uh, Tim might be able to do it if I'm <clears> because I yeah. think if I'm looking at the schedule, right, they are playing two of their three matches today. And then tomorrow is game three if they need it. And I say today and tomorrow as Saturday and Sunday. So we should know who our finalists are by this recording. Shout outs to Tim. He's going to give it to us on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yep, I'll save you a click. It's going to be Crithle versus PRD Wong for the finals. Spleeby and OS 101 facing off for the bronze. Uh, check in the episode description. I am going to make you click for this one if you want to do the extra credit. If you want to check out the bronze match, uh, it is happening tonight, the day that this podcast comes out, or that's game two at least. Uh, and then finals, I understand, are going to be in a couple weekends. So uh, check the HMG or the ALTTPR Glitch Tournaments Discord and the schedule that is in the description and uh, be sure to check those out. they should be good. There you go. No problem. All right. GMP community updates. Ba-ba-boo. All right. So the mentor tournament, we are in the middle of brackets. Now we're in week two as this recording comes out. Uh, and I did want to just announce quickly, we uh, since we're done with the mentoring phase of the mentor tournament, uh, a huge, huge thank you to all of our mentors. We are going to do a breakdown of um, we're going to shout out a ton of individuals, give some stats, um, you know, of, of all the people who stepped up and helped, but the number one MVP mentor for uh, season three of the mentor tournament is Leoria, Laoria of light. Uh, she mentored 21 games games which was the most of anyone uh so huge huge shout outs and and thank you and congratulations to her and uh, we've already let her know she is going to come on the show in a couple of episodes basically we've we've got uh part two of our discussion with f coughlin coming in the next episode and then the one after that uh the tournament will be wrapped up we'll have Laoria on uh to share some thoughts and we'll probably also have our our tournament uh gold gold bracket winner on as well at that time. So, uh, look forward to all of that. Uh, I know I definitely am. It's been going great so far. You know, we've, we've had a couple of small challenges that we've dealt with, I think pretty efficiently. seems like most people are having a lot of fun learning a whole lot. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been great. So really, really couldn't, couldn't ask for more with the mentor tournament this year. Oh yeah. Uh, biweekly seed. We kind of messed up, and we did retro last episode, and then this episode we talked about retro extensively with F Coughlin. So it would have been perfect to do in this episode, but there's no way in hell we're doing two retros in a row. That's that's illegal. We'll go to jail if we do that.
2: We could so. do uh, since he talked about that and liking that much better than the standard retro. We could do a
0: retro seed. Retrench. Sure. OK, that could you, be, you know what, honestly, you, yeah.
1: your time to shine your time to play <laughs> entrance
0: mode. This is what's going to get you into retro. This is it. Uh, were you saying me or were oh, you talking, talking to our
1: listeners? I, I, I wasn't talking to the listeners. Screw them. I want you tip, <laughs> tip underscore lowercase T to play <laughs> entrance mode. And I want okay. you to like it.
0: I do like entrance <laughs> mode. I just if I have time for rando, I don't pick entrance usually, but okay. Yeah, no, I like this. We'll do, we'll do a, a retrance seed for episode nine's biweekly seed. I also just wanted to say, uh, I definitely want to make it nice and easy for folks to try out Z1R after hearing uh, F Coughlin, you know, talk about it in today's episode. So, in addition to the biweekly seed of ALTTPR, we'll also try to find a way to standardize a single seed of Z1R so that folks can play that and then chat about it um, and, and share their experiences. So, um, just check our Discord. We'll figure something out where you can you can find that seed. But I definitely want to do that. Uh, speaking of the interview with F Coughlin, just to set this up a little bit, and I, I can't remember how much of this we've already said on Mike uh, you know, in the future or in the past or whatever. So just bear with me here. Uh, but we sat down and recorded with Ev Coughlin for uh, about two hours or so. Um, so the plan is to split this up into two parts. So what you're going to hear today is the first hour or so of our conversation. Um, we neglected to like actually break the conversation up verbally while we were recording or anything like that. Uh, so it'll probably be maybe a somewhat abrupt ending. You'll just hear a flute and then we'll be wrapping up the show. Uh, And then two weeks from now, you will hear the second part of that conversation, which I think is going to involve a lot more um, how to get started with Z1R. um, And also we talk a little bit about SMB3R, which is fun. So uh, that is what's going on. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into the first part of our interview with F. Coughlin. Today on the Go Mode podcast, we are pleased to be joined by F Coughlin. F Coughlin, say hello. Hello. So uh, F Coughlin or Fred, uh, which is his name, that's what the F stands for, um, is someone that we've actually mentioned on the podcast before. I think the first time that we mentioned F Coughlin was uh, the SGL 2019 wrap up episode uh, he was actually one of my opponents in the groups uh, for the links of the past randomizer tournament for that. Um, and I told this story about how uh, we were you know, talking on discord about how we were going to meet and play, uh, you know, play our match. And I went downstairs to practice. This is like first thing in the morning, like 830. I went down to practice a little bit before our match. And uh, uh, this person walked in with a baseball cap on, started uh, practicing uh, on the other side of the room. And I was like, I've seen this guy around. I recognize him. And it wasn't until we were actually talking and practicing a little bit together until I realized this is F Coughlin. (laughs) This is my opponent right here. And he's been in this room the whole time and I've been like looking for him. So (laughs) that's my uh, F Coughlin story. But the reason that we have F Coughlin here is to talk specifically about Z1R or Zelda randomizer. So um, before we do that, we want to introduce folks to F Coughlin. So um, tell us a little bit about how you got into Uh, the world of Zelda and the world of development kind of in either order?
3: That's a good question. Let's see, you know, I've always been programming since I grew up. We had one of those infamous DOS computers back when I was growing up. You know, that'll date me. That tells you just how old I am, is that we didn't even have Windows on that thing. We had DOS. You know, it had All QBasic right. on it, had the old Gorilla game. I don't know if any of you guys ever played that one. Oh, moment. yeah. Banana, yeah the bananas, absolutely. exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I would see that one and just say, OK, how's the guts of this work? And Read through the basics, started learning that at the time, and it's kind of been a hobby since then. I've done, you know, some competitive programming at times. I've done other bits here and there, but, you know, that type of programming is just always something I've enjoyed. And then in terms of the video game side of things, you know, we had an Atari growing up, an NES. I played way too many hours of Zelda, Mega Man's, Mario's throughout the years on the NES, Super Nintendo. So pretty much that's just been like the go-to oh you're bored you have nothing to do let's go play some video games and stuff like that so you know those two at least individually that's where they came into and then it all came together oh gosh 2014 i want to say at this point yeah because i was watching lack attack play some z1 trying to i think at the time that, that was somewhere around the sub 30 push where I don't know if we. I don't think he'd cross either he or Darkwing Duck across the thir- sub thirty mark yet on that game, which was a big mark the, at the time.
0: Wow, the speed run for, the time speed for, run, for yes. Zelda.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. the, sorry about that. Yeah, the vanilla speed run, and we were watching them. <laughs> and at the time, he made a comment as he was, you know, making going through things, and he said, "You know, it's kind of fun, but it's, you know, I kind of miss the whole exploration, like you know, playing the game." You know, again, for that first time, it gets boring. And just something about that clicked. And I was sitting in an airport waiting for a overnight flight to go back home because I was on a work trip. And before I got on the plane, I did some Googling, found out the fact that there was a ROM map out there. And, you know, basically the idea of a randomizer that clicked in my head at that point and started working towards it. And a few months later, we had at least the very first version of a Zelda randomizer out there.
0: Mm Hmm. I love a story that has such a clear beginning, you know, where one person's just like, I wonder if this is possible. And then another person is like, that is a really good question. And I'm going to find out. (laughs) And that's exactly how it started. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. And then
3: we released on Pi Day. There weren't many, you know, the idea of randomizers weren't really that big back then. I know Super Metroid had some of their randomizers out there. I know I'd seen some people do like door randomizer stuff. Pokemon, I remember seeing randomizers for, but Really, that was about it. I don't think there were many other randomizers at the time.
2: I was, was going to ask you, were you like did the idea of making it a Zelda one randomizer come to you just from that lack comment yep. or, or were you inspired by other randomizers that you had seen or heard of before?
3: Uh, I mean, it. I hadn't really done a lot of research into randomizers. I think I remember downloading a randomizer like a couple of years before that um, when I was, you know, even just when I was considering starting streaming at the first place, I was like, oh, what's this Pokemon randomizer? As I said, I saw someone else playing other randomizers at the time. But I don't think mm-hmm. it really clicked that it was going to do anything like that. And then as I said when Lack did that, I was like, well, oh, we could we could mix this up. We could make a program to do this. And then started, you know, slowly learning a bunch of stuff on how to do this, how to create a Windows program that actually had a UI as opposed to just command line, because I knew no one would ever want to use a command line. And racing ended up being a thing because people started saying, well, how do we make sure we have the same ROM? And so that's where like flag strings came out as part of the process of, okay, copy this into the program. And then at least you all have the same flags and you don't have to worry, wait, did I check this one box and not the other one? Things like that. Mm -hmm. So...
0: Um, so let's get, I guess, a little bit into this when it comes to randomizing Zelda one. So of course this is a, a link to the past randomizer podcast. So we can kind of assume a base knowledge of, you know, a, a casual player of Alttpr. So, um, with that in mind, maybe we could talk a little bit. More, maybe we could start surface and kind of dig our way down. So what are just some basic differences between a link to the past randomizer and Z1R um, that someone would notice as they're first playing?
3: OK, yeah. So let's see here. So, I mean, it depends on what you choose to set as your settings. Obviously, uh, when I created this, I always wanted the options to be as configurable as people wanted to. But to try to put analogous terms for link to the past randomizer uh entrance rando is very common so oftentimes we'll scramble up all the caves on the overworld your goal as part of it is to find the dungeons oh. uh it also for all intents and purposes has had the door randomizer built in for quite some time if you think mm-hmm. of it that way where you go into a dungeon and you don't know which room anymore has the bow in it, let's say, you know, the staircase to go get the bow, you have to explore level one until you find a room that has a staircase and get that. You have to explore the level to find where the boss is going to be at the end, where, or you don't even have to kill the bosses necessarily. You're just looking for the Triforce item that's laying somewhere on the ground there. So, so that's term-
1: randomized throughout the dungeon as well, I guess, or...
3: Yeah, pretty uh, like- much. I mean...
1: Interesting. Oh, sorry, I gotta-
3: yeah, so, so you can um- basically move everything around, all the different rooms. The rooms could technically get moved dungeon to dungeon. And actually even we make the maps important because there is an option that you can choose where it's a randomly generated map instead of the vanilla shapes that you're used to.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask if that was, if that was actually, you know, something as someone who's watched some Z1R like on speed gaming and, you know, other people's streams. It's I'm not, I am familiar with, you know, Z1R the vanilla game, but not enough to recognize each individual room. So I wasn't sure you know, with the dungeons, like if they were, like, I guess in some way, uh, this is probably a bad term to use, but procedurally generated, uh, or if it was just kind of a mix up, kind of like we see, you know, with this like alpha phase or beta phase of uh, ALTTPR door rando. I didn't know if it was like that where it would like swap you up on the tiles or if they were just like kind of unique with the Z1R setup.
3: Yeah, basically, behind the scenes, you know, you want to talk about just how efficient they made these things back in the day. You know, for those of you who, don't, who may not know, uh, apparently there's rumors. I'm still not sure if it's true or not. I don't know if a developer ever confirmed it, but Zelda, ra- Zelda, not Zelda Randomizer, but the original Legend of Zelda was originally going to be like a dungeon builder. Where I think they were going to have an original thing there, and then, you know, was in theory scope wise, they wanted to make something where people could potentially build their own dungeons. And then they realized, okay, NES hardware may not be the best. You know, we got a cool (laughs) engine for a game as it is. Let's just run with that. At least that's what they say. And if you look like on the guts, like a room, it's defined by six bytes to make it unique. You want to talk about a way, you know, just how small it is, you know, and all these games nowadays have megs, gigs of, you know, disk space yeah. taken up. A room is six bytes, basically, to, to say what it is. It's got a byte that says, OK, this is the room layout that you're going to get. This is the end. A byte for these are the enemies that are going to be in the room. A byte that says what doors do you have in the room or actually two bytes, one for like north and south and one for east and west. What colors? are in the room what item is in the room that's all within six bytes so they made that really efficient and so basically it's not a case of this room originally belonged to dungeon five it's just this room happens to be uh you know this one shape and so typically what i've done is try to keep the shapes If you select like the first type of randomization, which just moves them around within the dungeon, basically just says, "Okay, there's one room with the Triforce room ID. We'll put that somewhere in the dungeon, but it could be there anywhere. And then there's the mode that you can do where basically we just use any of those IDs and pretty much it can be whatever ID in whatever room. Wow,
1: that's uh, it's kind (laughs) of weird to think back, you know, with the. With the NES, what they were working with, it, it makes it really impressive kind of in a retrospect, especially with, you know, you brought up how rooms and games today are just like huge as far as like data on a, on a PC mm-hmm. or something. And now looking back, I, I, I mean, I, I grew up playing the NES, but at the same time, I wasn't smart enough to appreciate it, you know, like oh yeah, no, me neither.
3: <laughs> Not back then. Back then it was just, oh, it's a game. Cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah. One thing that I will say I I have appreciated in terms of simplicity on the NES is the music. Uh, It it became clear to me pretty early as a kid. It was like, okay, there's a very limited amount of instruments that can be speaking at any one time. But then you hear some of these tracks and what the composers do to simulate the effect of like four or five different instruments with what's essentially just noisemakers. So it's, it's no surprise to hear that it's like that across the board, you know, with with memory, with graphics, um, all of it. And it's it's absolutely fascinating the way that it's, you know, you can kind of build rooms like that using those those bytes.
3: Yeah. I mean, in theory, if I really wanted to, I haven't done anything like this yet. But in theory, I could potentially add additional like room layouts if I really wanted to as as part of how things work. I just haven't. That's not a space yet I've gone into. Most of the time it's been keeping it, you know, at least a little bit close to what the original game was, just to again make sure that people aren't like completely wading in out of the waters into something that they don't know about. So
2: do you have th- this? Might Go be ahead. a little technical here, but uh, there's a byte that chooses which room layout it uses, right? That's what you said. One of those yep. bytes is responsible for the room layout. Yes. Uh, how many theoretical room layouts do you have left until that byte is all used up? You know? Well,
3: Um, Well, that one ranges hex wise from zero to three F, I want to say. So trying to translate that to to those of you who aren't necessarily fluent with hexadecimal numbers, there's appreciate that. Yeah, no, well, this is actually just trying to mentally do the quick (laughs) math myself. Um, I believe technically that means there's 64 possible slots from what I'm seeing because the last two bits on there. So, again, bytes are eight bits for those who don't know, and each of those are zero and one for all intents and purposes. And I think they use two of those For other things like Mm -hmm. uh, one of those is can there be a push block in the room that either opens up a stairway or unlocks the doors and one of those is actually strangely enough associated with the enemies you know it's an extra flag to allow them because again with these limited numbers they apparently decided oh we're going to push one of the bits from the enemy onto the room like don't ask me why but. (laughs) <laughs> that's the way they did it. and But the remaining six bits there are that. So that's, I think, 64 rooms. And I want to say when I was doing some recent research that if you use the basic room set, it uses probably about 48 to 50 of those rooms are potentially okay, so there. So you could create like another 15, 14, 15 mm-hmm. you know, new rooms uh-huh. if you really wanted to.
0: Okay. yeah, That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm sitting here just like trying to remember some of the layouts of dungeon rooms in the, you know, Zelda. And when you say there's only 64 different variations, I'm like, "Oh, no way. No, there's way more than that. There's uh the one with the diagonal blocks." Um there's <laughs> a blank one, that's one of them. Uh you know, so like yeah, that's that's of course of course there doesn't need to be that many. Especially when you can, can randomize other things about them like the enemies and, and all that. That's exactly
3: so. it. I mean, and you go into some of these cases and so some rooms will actually have like multiple purposes, like there'll be a regular version of the room, but then there's a version of the room often in the second quest where one of the blocks can get pushed and now there's a staircase that you can take. But yeah. pretty much, yeah, the floor layout is as I said, just those that one byte that tells you, okay, this is that one room, and it points in, you know, there's level information there that says, you know, this is how you convert that one byte into the room layout. And, you know, as I said, it's really crazy because, you know, if you think about it, all the, I don't know if you have ever seen this, if you were to search out, you know, Zelda dungeon map on Google, and mm-hmm. you look at the images that come up, there's usually an image that actually basically shows the levels like a puzzle piece, like a bunch of puzzle pieces put together. Yeah. Levels one and six all pretty much mostly fit in together with a couple of gaps. And that's pretty much the way it's laid out in memory is that levels one through six all share an eight by 16 map and any staircases that you take, that's what those gaps are. Any of the missing rooms that are in there always correspond to one of the staircases that goes between two different rooms. And levels 7 through 9 share an 8 by 16 map as well. So really, you've got 256 rooms in the entire game that, right. are, that are used. And then Second Quest, I guess, has an additional 256 because that's its own table. But pretty much, you know, that's all that there is in, that, in the entire game of the dungeon. Sometimes it feels a lot bigger than that as you're walking it through. But if you're looking just at the numbers, that's the total number of rooms in the entire game.
0: And so that's the, the, but that is the underworld, right? Yeah, the, the underworld, right? Yeah, yeah. How how many? Uh, how big is the overworld? Overworld eight by
3: sixteen as well. So it's another hundred twenty-eight uh, total rooms on uh, total screens on the overworld.
0: I mean, it, it. I remember playing as a kid. It felt like a huge game. It felt oh, like yeah. I would never be able to see all of it. You know,
2: that's probably because you got lost in the woods forever, and that it just repeats. <laughs> and I feel yeah. like it's a
0: new room every time. You know? <laughs> that's definitely part of it, for sure. Um, so I'm curious about uh, setting up the logic for Zelda one. So one of the th- things I think that makes a link to the past randomizer such a great randomized game is there are so many items that are used to give you access to new parts of the world. As I think about Zelda, I know there is some of that. Can you talk about some of the challenges of, of coding that logic in?
3: Oh, sure. Um, so it's been an interesting ride getting there. Um, I know I use a very different algorithm than Link to the Past. So Link to the Past has mm. like this. Yeah, Link to the Past has way too many items to do what the way I do my thing, because Link to the Past has all those gating items, you know, you have the, the Moon Pearl that locks, you know, over half the uh, chests in the game, you have you know, everything against tower locked behind seven crystals, and you get some really nice logic chains when you're doing that type of stuff. Zelda 1, on the other hand pretty much the entire overworld except for a few screens are open at the start of the game. You know, you can't get into the Recorder Lake, you can't get to the couple of raft spots. And you know, there's a few caves you can't get to, but typically on the overworld, you know, if you were playing Zelda, you can get the sword, you can kill enemies, get enough money to buy a candle. You can get bombs and pretty much Once you get that, really, there's only, I think, seven caves that you can't open on First Quest. So you have access very early in the game to the entire world. And you know, with the randomizer, I've kind of tried to keep it that way, where the levels could pretty much end up anywhere. As I said, the main gating things, there's like five, I want to say five items typically that can gate things. You have the recorder, which blocks either... You know, a couple of recorder spots, depending on whether you're playing first or second quest rules. It also block can block rooms because in dungeons, there's a boss enemy called Dig Dogger, which you, again, normally during the game, you have to play the recorder. You hear an NPC in the first dungeon you run into if you're playing vanilla, say Dig Dogger hates certain kinds of sound, which is a hint that when you get the recorder and you figure out what a Dig Dogger is, that when you blow the recorder <laughs> in there, it breaks up and then it's no longer invulnerable. You can kill it. So the recorder can gate things, the bow can gate things because you might run into a goma, um, which is the spider type enemy. Actually, most people would know that from you know, Ocarina of Time and other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that can only be killed by a bow, so you have to have the bow to be able to kill that. Uh, there's a couple of entrances on the overworld that can be gated by the power bracelet, so you can push big rocks or the raft that you can use to sail across to two different screens. And then the ladder... Which, you know, there's not really an equivalent in uh, Link to the Past, but basically use that to cross over single uh, single wide river, single wide water tiles. And really, those are the only real gating items aside from, hey, you need to get a sword. So uh, when I built the logic on it, what I basically said was, okay, you will never have to go into a dungeon to get a sword, because I always said that that was completely unfair, you know, swordless modes aside, uh, which pretty much on those, I kind of just, I put some logic in for the swordless mode. It's technically possible, I think, to get a rare case of enemies falling just right, where you might not be able to beat things, but let's ignore the swordless for now. Regular mode. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that, Dante. I know that Dante's disappointed to Uh, hear that. He loves swordless. (laughs) Honestly, the swordless can, you know, almost all of them can can be beaten. It just depends on how much you're willing to farm enemies to try to build up enough money to go buy bombs and everything like that. But, you know, we got a lot of similar assumptions, I guess, to link to the past. You know, you can, you have a source of bombs on the overworld guaranteed, uh, no matter what, as part of playing through, you can get money, uh, you can kill enemies to get, you know, enough money to go buy bombs if you have to and buy a candle, which then means that you can go and, Open up pretty much everything, and I guarantee, as part of the logic, at least for right now, that there'll always be a sword on the overworld, so that way you can kill those enemies and basically do that. So it's, again, similar to Link to the Past. It always assumes you have infinite money and bombs, even if that means having to go pick up, you know, 10 rupees out of the well every single trip for… You know, enough time to farm up Zora <laughs> if you had to. You know, I mean, typically I think you'd more likely to just go get 30 out of the backup blind spot, but that also assumes that you get bombs somewhere. Um, but basically, right. once you do that, right. you know, the entire overworld's pretty much open. You know, my first rounds of things basically tried to explicitly just say, okay, recorder can't be in uh, level seven at the time because that one's hidden under the lake. Raft can't be at level four. And then start seeing, well, you get to, start to get these chain things that can happen if the rafts in level four and or rather the rafts in level seven and the recorders in level four. So the explicit case just kind of got tossed out the window. So basically what I do now is once I placed all the items, I basically run like almost like a mini simulator. It says, OK, you're at the start of a level. What can you get to? Can you get to the, these items? And if you can add them to your inventory, if you can't. Then okay, we think about that till later, and let's go see if our items that we have now can get us more items. And sanity gets checked if you can achieve every item in the game and at least enter every room of the game. Especially when you're moving around all the different rooms in the uh, in the dungeons or creating those, you know, as we said, the procedurally generated dungeons for all intents and purposes. Uh, I just make sure you can get into every room in the game and that you can uh, get every item in the game. And theoretically. So far, that's been pretty good at making sure that most of the time it's not unbeatable.
0: I'm sorry, earlier, did you say that sanity is checked?
3: That's what I call it. I don't know if, uh, <laughs> how true sanity is. I, really I was like, is. I must
0: have misheard that, but that is hilarious. What is, what does that mean?
3: That's just the term I use for, you know, as a sanity check to make sure that the game's actually beatable. As I said, it's just kind of the terminology I've used throughout the years for that. So the hope is just simply here's your game, you know, can, is there, a logic, essentially, it's a logical pa- checking to see if there's a logical path. I know Link to the Past randomizer basically builds that path backwards. You start at the end of the game with everything, then start placing items into the chests, kind of walking backwards. I think it's like the overfied simplified version of the fill algorithm that you know Link to the Past uses. But Link to the Past has 216 chests. If you were to just you know randomly drop the items into those chests randomly. You know, that's 216 factorial. We're we're talking many lifetimes of many universes to try to figure out whether or not, you know, some to find beatable seeds within that. So, mm-hmm. you know, Link to the Past kind of has to do that, um, you know, has to have some logic in terms of the placement. My case, I kind of just drop them into the box and then see is this beatable or not. And if it's not, pick them back up and try dropping them again. And so that's where, as I said, I really refer to it as sanity because, you know, <laughs> Uh, some cases. It's like a de-escalation of logic. Pretty much.
0: You know, logic requires some brain power, sanity. You just have to be like conscious. (laughs) Exactly.
3: And as I said, when I I was doing this in the first place, one of the things I was always worried about was accidentally creating biases. I didn't want people to say, oh, it turns out, you know, to put it into a link to the past rando, for those of you who who used to play like version, I want to say like 18, I want to say back then, um, there were certain locations that tend to be very heavily weighted towards having key items and I always wanted to avoid having that type of waiting in place so that way people say oh it's level eight you know the silver's almost always turn up here or the ladder mm-hmm. always turns up here so I wanted to try to avoid doing that so that's where my style has always been basically just drop the stuff into the box if it works great if it doesn't pick up all the pieces and try again
0: mm. That's I think that's a great philosophy because that really is the fun of A Link to the Past is the wide uh, array of different kinds of items you can get at the very beginning of the game. You know, you can get a seed where you get three swords all of a sudden, but you never see the mirror. And that's just weird, you know, so that's that's definitely a good, I think, guiding principle when you're when you're working on this.
3: That's awesome. Gosh, I was gonna say you mentioned that three swords. There was a uh, it was a cross key or mystery seat, I want to say, uh, that I was playing a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of days ago on ladder where my opponent had tempered sword under the one minute mark. Oh, wow. We, so, apparently there oh, were I'm starting swords on. I didn't realize it. I actually killed blind with hammer because I didn't realize uh, I had a sword until I walked into hype cave and the NPC there gave me a temp, uh, gave me a master sword. and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I walk into the back of the dungeon and uh, back up to his cave and oh, look, there's tempered. Like, oh, <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's man. rough. That's rough using
0: hammer on blind because you didn't know you had sword. But if you if you could do it, then oh, hey, I had a, red, I I had a red
3: potion. I found a red potion as I was exploring the front half. I said, OK, let me at least try this Four hearts. I might be able to do this. And so got lucky. I was able to uh, get that kill, then regretted it later on when I went down as a cold stare, went to someone else as a boss. And yeah, I would have loved having the potion there.
1: Hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned there were, you know, we, we, we all know this 216 items in link to the past or chests, checks, uh, ever how you want to describe it. So is is I'm assuming, you know, the number what, uh, with Z1 R so or Z1. So how many just to put that in comparison from that 216 number? Um, what's what's that exact number for Z1?
3: If you're talking about like the major items, because obviously, you know, there are keys. So, again, there's things in dungeons, you know, there's rupees that you can drop. There can be bomb drops. So I guess some of those would be considered part of the 216. But usually those floor items that you find in the dungeons, I can I shuffle those independently. Uh, Basically, Mm -hmm. just as a uh, essentially the most of the time players don't, what I've found from feedback from players is they don't like having to clear every single room hoping to, because a lot of the, in Zelda 1, basically it's one of two options, there's no treasure chests. Either the item's laying on the floor in a room, or you have to clear the room in order to then have a drop appear on the floor. So those are pretty much Mm -hmm. the two ways that items can appear there. And most of the time, I mean, people don't mind clearing rooms to find a Triforce, but, you know, there's some of those rooms that can be pretty nasty to clear. Uh, you know, I can think of some of those wizard Rooms, for example. Uh, they're not quite as nice as they are in Link to the Past Randomizer, especially the Blue wizards. They move around, you know, semi-unpredictably if you don't know what they're doing, and they're pretty darn strong. They do two hearts of damage a hit, and mm. they take a lot of damage in order to kill them. So those rooms can be pretty darn nasty to try to kill. And so, okay, now I have to go kill one of those rooms to hopefully find you know where an item is on the floor. So typically in Zelda 1 at least in the regular gameplay for vanilla, there are usually the items are in staircases. So you find a staircase in a dungeon, you go down there, there's an item and you pick that up. And I want to say it's about 15ish in the end total like, you know, like big items that right. exist. You know, you've got the raft, the bow, the recorder, uh magical key, power bracelet, I'm just rambling them off trying to make sure I've got like almost all of them ladder wand, book uh, the book of doom. We can get to that later. How painful that one is Uh white sword, you know, arrows. And I think like the red candle and the red ring and then the boomerangs, which most people tend to kind of be like, okay, those exist. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so it ends up being in the end somewhere like around 15 ish, like, you know, big items essentially. And so, as I said, usually when we, mix them around. There's an option if you really want to mix them in with all the floor items uh, to do that. You know, there are some people who like to play that way, but a lot of times uh, most people, you know, the strategy ends up being leave that flag off and you just look for the staircases in dungeons, except for the first couple of dungeons, which have, you know, those boomerangs that would normally be on the floor and you have to kill to find those slots.
1: Gotcha. Um, so you talked about that particular mode where, you know, obviously we talked about the, you mentioned combat that, uh, obviously is much harder, at least for me in Z one than it is in ALTTP. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, I can obviously uh, respect having the, uh, <laughs> the flags that way, because I, you know, it makes, I guess it would make it more fun, um, as a non-player, just trying to think about that on a competitive level. But Switching gears to that potential, like, you know, the racing scene uh, for this game. You know, I've, I've, like I said, I've watched several matches from tournaments, you know, with the restreams on speed gaming. Um, Are there any I guess this is are there any tournaments you've been involved in as far as like do you uh, as a dev? Are you on the administrative side of those? Um, Are you just more of a I'm going to play and help out if I need to, if there's a problem
3: uh, or, you know, what's your involvement with all that? It it really depends on the tournament in that case. I've usually been involved in uh, most of the, like, the quote-unquote main tournaments that we've had over the past few years. Uh, you know, I tend to be, you know, like, not necessarily one of the you know, driving people in that side of things. A lot of times I end up being more on the support side of things, either making sure there's no bugs, making sure there's presets available in the randomizer for those tourneys potentially add if we someone says, hey, this would be kind of a cool little thing for a tournament, adding that piece in maybe before that. So I've definitely helped running behind the scenes on that. But as I said, I do tend to be a little bit more of a, you know, theoretical type person, but not necessarily involved in the OK, let's get the restream team together. Let's, uh you know, right. sometimes occasionally, you know, pestering people. Hey, you know, you got a match for this week. Uh, we haven't heard anything about that. But really, from the side of things, it tends to be more on that theoretical side of, uh you know, getting things running. But I have to say the community is pretty awesome because. They've created, you know, some of them, you know, the main tournaments we've been involved in, but some of them just want to race. I mean, there's people who race nightly, but they've also created these concepts of battle royales, which has been a really fun evolution. And basically what that ends up being, essentially, it's a mini tournament that they do where they get, okay, we're going to get 10 people to sign up for it. There's two variations now, but the variation that gave it its name in the first place, you know, harkens back to, you know, wrestling when you watch your wwe or aew or one of those other wrestling uh companies out there where they have the the thing with a whole bunch of people in the ring and you just start tossing people out and so what they do is basically do elimination style races they'll play one week with the 10 people and the top nine or top eight advance the next week and anyone who's not in the top eight um is out of the tournament and then the next week they eliminate another person so you don't necessarily have to win them interesting you just Mm-hmm. Don't want to be in those last couple of slots and get eliminated. Um, they've used that format now for a couple of years for these, and then you know basically anyone can submit a flag set saying, "Hey, Tuesday nights we want to run a uh, we want to run this type of flag set." You know, for example, the sworded swordless, where they play with the swordless mode, but you start with a sword. Which I know you're saying to yourself, "Why would you do that?" But uh, in This rando, when you play swordless mode, thanks to the work of Fiskbit, who had done some work behind the scenes, uh, we changed it so that way only the wand can actually hurt Ganon, Ganon instead of the actual sword. So it's a mode that lets the players play around. They have a sword, but you have to use the wand in order to actually damage Ganon so interesting
0: um, that tracks yeah it's like the logic of swordless exactly with a sword yeah.
3: exactly so yeah i mean you don't run into the issues of okay i don't have a you know i have to use bombs to kill these eight blue wizards. you've got a sword in that case for it but you can't kill Ganon, mm. so you do have to actually go and find a you know find the wand and do everything to do that so at least for them they do that but again everyone's got different modes that they're interested in doing so they do some excuse me they do some of those And they basically can pick a time and do that. You know, it's expanded this year. They've been doing some other variations where it's more Mario Kart style, where you race for eight weeks. Each week you get a certain number of points, and whoever has the most points at the end wins that one. And then after a season's done, the people who are running the Battle Royale system in general offer the people who, you know, basically the winners of the mini Battle Royales a chance at a, like, basically a culmination tournament. To determine who wins each season, so that's been a lot of fun seeing that one build up. You know, I haven't really even been involved on that side, and that one's grown really nicely within our community.
0: That's pretty. Do awesome. you know? Yeah, like when when did this kind of uh, how did this uh, competitive scene with Z1R formalize?
3: uh, for the I mean for the battle royale. I mean Z1R has been raced for pretty much since it first came out. I feel like there've been almost nightly races on you know, SRL at the time for many years. Uh, I know nowadays we've pretty much migrated over to race time, but, you know, pretty much there are a lot of pickup races that happen. You know, the tournaments would come along and do that. And I think the Battle Royale started one year where, you know, there were some people who wanted to run some tournaments who, you know, just like in the gaps between some of the main tournaments. And they said, hey, we should get this started. And so a few of them said, you know what, let's get this system going. They came up with the idea. It was a really cool idea, as I said. And I feel like it's been a couple of years, like two or three years at this point with the uh, Battle Royales, because I feel like the Royal Ultima has now been going on for like three or four years at this point. So it's, it's been around for quite some time. I'm going like actually trying to scroll back and see if I can find, you know, when the channel got created um, internally. It looks like 2018 is when the mm-hmm. first... Uh, battle royale um tournaments were going on in our community so it's been about three years doing that system now wow
1: so, <laughs> we should try battle
0: royale um, qualifiers in ALTTPR. i think I, yeah i like that <laughs> <system>. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it seems like it'd be hard to plan to know how much of a commitment you're getting into um i guess kind of like a tournament but
3: yeah, well, as I said, yeah. that's where they usually do, it, like a mini tournament. Okay, you are you sign up and you they cap it usually around 10 for those like mini mm-hmm. tournaments. And I say, okay, so you're basically saying once a week for eight weeks. And I know they've started doing some asynchronous ones as well. So if you're not sure you're going to be available Tuesday night at 10 p.m., well, as long as you get it done at some point during the week, you uh, can submit your time as well for some of those and do that. So basically, just, it just comes down to whoever's organizing it, how they want to to run the uh, tourney.
0: So let's see when when the goal is just don't be last. I guess you play a, a much safer game, right? Yeah,
3: especially in the early rounds. Exactly. You want to play. OK, uh, I'm about to get shot by these blue wiz robes uh, in this one room. OK, maybe I'll come back later when I have you know a stronger weapon. You know, I'm not going to go fight cold stare three put it into the equivalent. I don't want to go fight cold stare on three hearts with my fighter sword. Maybe I want to actually, you know, go get blue mail, maybe get up to like eight or nine hearts, maybe find tempered, but, or, you know, heck a fire rod before I go back and uh, try to fight him. So in those early rounds, yeah, that's basically can be the mindset. It's just don't, you don't want to finish last. So you can be a little bit more cautious. And then as you get further and further in, well, now you start having to play the risks. You know, do I think now that with the players who are left, I'm going to be uh, in trouble or am I going to be able to push through and and win and, uh, you know, and survive. And so then you start taking more of those risks as you start getting further along and getting that really good competition left.
0: Yeah. So that's a perfect example of something in Z1R that we could maybe see about implementing in a link to the past randomizer from a community standpoint is there anything in terms of the randomizer or the game itself uh, anything like that uh, like any other examples that you would mind seeing maybe tried out in a link to the past randomizer
3: Hmm, that's actually a good question I mean I know in terms of like you know gameplay and stuff you know there's a I mean there's a lot of difference I mean there's the retro mode which is a lot of I've been finding that one fun especially with some of these retroents things that have been coming through Mm -hmm. so it's been fun seeing uh, that type of stuff in uh linked to the past i mean you know in general i feel like you know just both these communities have gr- taken off a ton in terms of, you know compared to you know five six years ago at this point when they were all just starting out you know these are two really awesome communities that are out there and you know i've been seeing stuff that's going on you know basically linked to the past randomizer as tournaments left and right going on uh, you know again we've got the mini tourney thing but you know Just seeing all these different tournaments of all these different options it has been so much fun getting to do that and seeing all these different communities form. So uh, I don't know if there's necessarily anything that like I'm like, oh, competitive wise uh, Mm -hmm. that I'd really want to be seeing going on here. As I said, I'm just trying to think about if there'd be anything like super cool uh, in terms of in terms of the uh, in terms of like, oh. This is a thing like, you know, I know there have been some elements that have, you know, that we've taken or at least, you know, there have been some things like code wise. So, for example, the hash code in LinkedIn to Randomizer, I took that one because we had a couple of times during tournament races where, you know, someone thought that they had had the code right and there was a one character typo in a like 10 character long flag string. And so it was Mm -hmm. just enough to mess up the to give a completely different file. And so that's where basically I saw a link to the past Rando was using the hash code at the top and said, "Okay, that's we're going to do that. We're going to put that one into Z1R here as well to be able to work with that. Um, You know, some of the stuff about, you know, as much as people don't want to mention things like, you know, people doing things like, you know, trying to read the ROMs during like a tournament to try to get an unfair advantage. The similar type of thing of, you know, putting encryption essentially into the ROM, at least obfuscating where the tables are so to make it harder for someone to find that we've done the same thing in Z1R. So that way, you know, we've got that race mode button now that's meant to, uh, prevent people from, uh, or to make it much harder for someone to be able to try to read the ROM. But at the same time we have the option where you can leave that off and then be able to get your spoilers, be able to get that type of stuff. So, um, you know, spoiler log turning races can happen just as easily as, uh, In Z1R as they do in, although it's a little bit different, actually, even on the spoil log. The spoil log is kind of bare bones here in uh, Z1R. So you get to see what the maps are of those dungeons. You get to know, okay, this room has a staircase that takes you to an item, but you don't know what items necessarily in that room, in that staircase. And you also don't know, oh, wait. Can I actually get to that room because there might be ladders, blocks or uh, other things in the way that prevent me from getting there? So spoiler logs can actually be quite interesting. You know, as I said, we're I'm rambling on here and changing subjects left and right. But I was just thinking about the spoiler log aspect of that as we were talking about that. And it, as I said, can be a very interesting race where you'll know where everything is on the overworld. But in the dungeons, you still kind of have to do that. But I guess kind of like playing an animizer, um spoiler log. In uh, Link to the Past, where you don't know what enemies are going to be in the way, and you're suddenly like, okay, shoot, can I actually survive getting through this room, or are there going to be a whole bunch of the spiky rollers that are going to then just basically eat me alive?
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're doing great, by the way. I I also feel like I have so many questions because like it's it's like finding uh, an alternate planet that's like a little bit like Earth, but a lot different. You're just like, how is this different? How is this different? What is is it? You know, so uh, absolutely. There's a a lot to cover. Um, It since we have a lot of time. I want to go back to something that you mentioned before. You said you enjoy retro. Oh, yeah. You like retro. Wow. You're the first person (laughs) I've met to ever say that. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I, was, yeah. I mean, I, I was gonna say, I like, like it with the entrance it- rando at least. I have to say, I like it with the mm-hmm. entrance rando. the 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 one they've been doing on a ladder, the retrance mode, that one I've been really liking. You know, when I've seen retro, the one thing I haven't necessarily liked is the fact that the sword cave and the four, you know, take any caves can be mm-hmm. in any subset pretty much of the other caves. I guess there's a limited set of them i think i heard someone say but i still have never sat down and found out which one those are but when i'm playing it in the entrance mode then i like it because well i'm checking the caves anyway oh look i happen to find the any one any roads or yeah. oh look here's a sword you know, it's kind of just like a regular old uh, you know finding the sword is just like finding Bonk rock cave except that's a guaranteed yeah. good prize
0: that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask that as a way to kind of transition into talking about keys, um, because obviously retro, the way that works is you, you know, can purchase keys and keys work across dungeons. Um, how do keys
3: work in Z1R and were there any challenges in coding logic for those? Well, keys end up being really easy um, in the end for my side, because keys can be purchased in shops naturally one. I think in the vanilla game, if memory serves, there's, there are, in the end, just enough keys to be able to unlock almost everything. And then, of course, ideally, you find the there is a item, the magical key. We often refer to it as the any key because for some strange reason, when the developers, uh, when you pick up that key, it replaces the key count on your HUD with an A. So everyone's like, hey, oh, that must stand for the any key, you know, going with the Simpsons (laughs) reference. Oh, which one's the any key? I'll I'll just have a tab. Uh, (laughs) And so when we're playing that, uh, you know, in terms of the key logic for building Z1R, I honestly, there is no key logic. It's there's a shop guaranteed somewhere that is accessible without having to use uh you know the big items, the rafts, recorders, stuff like that, that sells keys. And technically, that's your logic is the fact that since you could kill ten enemies in a row in Zelda 1, and the tenth enemy is guaranteed to drop a five rupee, eventually you can farm up enough money to buy however many keys you need and then go into the dungeons. So technically Oof. I don't Put key logic in, in terms of that. I mean, that the, the key logic thing is a nightmare. I remember at one point I was considering, okay, how could I do like Zelda 2 randomizer? And of course, shake has gone and done amazing work on that randomizer. But I remember originally I was like poking around like, you know, shortly after I did Z1R and saying, well, I wonder if what we could do here. And then just sitting there saying, well, how do I guarantee I can get through all these key doors, and uh, I'm not going to lock something behind something in a key door where it's going to be important. You know, it's similar to some of the logic that's in Link to the Past Rando that has made, you know, VTorp and everyone pull their hair out on some of these rare key scenario things that can come up. And as I was working with it, it was eventually like, OK, you know what? We just make a key shop available. We can sell the keys in Z1. Uh, they, and people could technically farm up. I mean, most of the time, I haven't really seen uh, games where you need to buy more than like one or two keys. Usually that ends up you know, possibly with some save quitting and you know hard resetting to make sure. You know, you if you use the keys and you find out it's the wrong thing, usually only I've only really seen seeds where it's like one or two at the most that you would really have to farm up. Sometimes people buy that key like as a starter key. There's enough keys naturally just laying in the dungeons that you can usually eventually uh, get rolling on it. Sometimes you just you can't explore the dungeon you want to right away because of the fact that it might be key locked early on. Hmm. So it's an interesting change. You know, as I said, that's where I kind of do like the retro mode in Link to the Past because I actually like the fact that when I walk into pod, technically I can go get everywhere. I mean, I might not have a lot of keys. I have to decide what keys I want. I'm willing to pay in order to do Mm -hmm. that. But, you know, I don't have those logical locks. I've been bitten on that because I forgot about that one time in desert and there was something important on the right side of desert. I was like, oh, nope. I walked into the dungeon like, oh, no, I'm not. Uh, I don't. I can't get to the right side. I don't have the small key to the dungeon yet. As I look up at the HUD, and there's five keys in my pocket that I just am completely <laughs> ignoring. But. As I said, in general, I just like the fact, I mean, the, the logic stuff's fine. Like, I do really enjoy key sanity modes as well, where, you know, a link to the past, where I have to go and grab, you know, the key out of here to go back over here to do that. Or in pod, you know, well, what's in logic? What am I willing to cheat and go grab out of logic? You know, those types of decisions are fun. But as I said, for Z1R, uh, it's just basically, you know, there's a key shop somewhere. If you really need the money, there's the take enemies on the overworld that can not take money, but they're the moblins that will give out the secrets that give you some money. Um, if assuming you don't find the door repairs that take your money away, and in general, it's a uh, that type of thing. And as I said, especially where I grew up with uh, Z1, that type of mode's you know interesting to me. I like the fact that rupees actually matter at the end game. The fact that you mm-hmm. actually have to pay that and again. I'm used to Z1 growing up where. You know, if you're playing the vanilla game or what have you, you got 10 uh, rupees, essentially, you know, like five rupees at the end to make sure that you can kill Ganon, you know, get your one shot in on Ganon. Or you have to sometimes make sure you have just enough money to actually be able to kill one of those Gomas with the arrows and stuff like that. I find to be fun, you know, where you actually have to manage your resources properly and end game yeah. seeing, you know, a 1, thousand fifteen hundred rupees. OK, that's great for uh, Link to the Past Rando. But then when you're playing it on uh, retro, all of a sudden, well, OK, do I do the fast kill on these Armos downstairs for that 300? Do I do the slow kill? Hopefully only spend about 180 on them to save a little bit of rupees but now you know okay I actually have to watch my money climbing the tower so that way when I get to and I have enough uh, arrows to actually kill him that type of stuff I love seeing so that's where retro I really like that piece of it I'm probably an odd yeah. <laughs>
0: No, no, I, I, I think it's cool that you like it. And I, I wanted to ask you about it because I, I want to try to understand and appreciate it. Um, I, I, I love, you know, what you're saying about like managing the rupees, um, and having kind of all of your, uh, you know, like everything kind of be tied to that and have it actually matter. The thing that I think ends up turning me off from it and what I hear is that like it kind of becomes like a fundraising simulator where you're just spending so much of your time, you know, Uh, going out of your way to collect rupees to be able to go buy your keys or shoot your arrows or whatever you need to be able to do. Um, But uh, yeah, I I, I love the idea of it. You know, we had it actually for our biweekly seed last week um, and I haven't played it, but I've been looking for a seed to play uh, this weekend. So uh, maybe maybe I'll I'll actually play this one. I I said I wasn't going to, but maybe I will. Well,
1: here's the thing, Tim. Uh, Have you played Retrance yet? And I know you don't like entrance. Okay,
0: so it's not that I don't like entrance. It's just okay. Yeah, I don't like entrance.
1: I mean, that's kind of what Fred was saying. (laughs) And honestly, like I played retro in the main tournament back in 2018, and I hated it. And I was like, "This is dumb." Like, uh, you know, I don't want to go in and out every door looking for my sword, like my extra sword. Um, You know, and that could be kind of a, you know, a hassle. I guess we'll say. But uh, pairing it with entrance is kind of. It, it, you know, if you're looking for a way for retro to be good in alttpr, like uh, the, the in like category is just like chef's kiss uh, for mm. that. And I think that's why, you know, we've seen that in two seasons of the ladder now, like, you know, Duncan and her threw it in uh, last season. Uh, uh, what season number are we in now? Eight. Um, so it was season Sorry, seven. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, it, it took off. I mean, people like entrance already, but you know, you got to make sure you have cross world at the same time.
0: Um, it's not as intimidating. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it's. Yeah, no, it makes sense because you're like already looking for the entrances. So when you find the take any caves, it's, it's you know, it's better than having to go out of your way for
3: them. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Potentially what you could have done is at least in the take any type scenario, if it if it's, you know, if you were to take entrance off the board, if they were to pick a specific cave or give you a hint, maybe as to which cave it was somewhere for the sword. Then that might be good on the regular retro, where at least you know where the sword is. Again, you know, in Z1R, the sword is in the cave where you start normally, or you know, otherwise you're playing an entrance randomizer. At which point, then you know, well, it can be in any door, and that's basically what retro ends up being. So that might be a, a small fix, you know, just spitballing there, that could make mm-hmm. retro a little bit better. Is if they told basically if those caves weren't necessarily random unless it was uh, an entrance mode. And then, you know, okay, now it's a, well, I can wait to go out of my way. You know, do I go out of my way now? But I know exactly where that sword is. You know, what happens if it was the ferry near Agana? All of a sudden you're going to start seeing a lot more Agana plays and you're going to start seeing, you know, and people might go there, but at the same time it's a pain to get over there. It's a long walk. Well, not that long, but you know, you're not getting many checks. You're basically taking that sword and You're not getting much out of it or, you know, other places, maybe dark shopping mall. Maybe that open cave over there has a sword, at which point now, when do you make that play? Because, you know, if if you're not playing an entrance rando, there's no reason to go down over there. So now it's a, well, you wait it out. Do I, you know, okay, if I'm about to go into Ice Palace and I'm on, you know, fighter sword. okay, yes, I'm going to go make that walk. If, you know, I just have been doing another exploration and I'm up to tempered. Okay, I probably don't need to go over there to do that. And so something like that might be a a potential fix if you just say, okay, you know, if you're not doing entrance rando, here are where the swords are going to be. And again, maybe that's something you make dynamic, but you give a fixed NPC who tells you where that sword's going to be. That way you know where it is and you can then make your decision strategically based on that instead of having to pop your head into like 15, you know, random doors and hope that you get lucky.
0: Hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this episode up. Would you like to uh, join us for the our last little wrap up here?
3: Sounds good. I'd love to. Uh,
0: all right. Great. Okay, so no fetch questions this time, but typically what we do at this time, um, I'll just quickly mention if you have any questions for us, you can send them to email at gomodepodcast.com. There's also our Discord, our Twitter at gomodepodcast. We have a YouTube channel, a Twitch channel, all that good stuff. Um, But uh, right now we we each go around and we'll say our Twitch handle um, and then just kind of throw out something that you have been into lately or recently. So anything you want to shout out, really. Um, So I'll go first and say that my Twitch handle is Twitch tv and i recently finished the game control by remedy games and i really really enjoyed that so that's my shout out this week it's a super fun game it's like a third you know third person uh kind of action adventure sort of horror game kind of came out in 2019 it was, it was like triple a AAA game at the time uh, and it, I got it for free from the Epic game store not too long ago. And it's just super fun. You're like a Jedi. Basically you can like whip stuff around with your brain. Um, there's a real like X files, twin peaks, like uh mystery kind of thing going on. Um, A really cool story. Uh, It's it's just a ton of fun to play. And uh, it's also set in the universe that the Alan Wake games are in. If you've ever heard of those that came out in like 2012. So now I'm going (laughs) back and playing Alan Wake because it like directly ties into Control, which is uh, not something I thought I would be doing. But yeah, the story is just so fun. I just like kind of can't get enough of it. So that's my recommendation for this week. Um, Dante, why don't you go ahead and go next for us?
1: Yeah, uh, well, you guys know twitch.tv slash Dante. I am... Currently, I guess I have two very fast shout outs. I had started a channel. What is it? Channel points uh, redemption like community goal on my Twitch page. And, uh, you know, I I let it go for what, 90 days. I think that's like the max or 30 days or something. I'm not sure. But either way, it got met like super fast. So uh, I haven't set a date for it just yet, but I'm going to be playing a link between worlds randomizer on stream one day. And it's probably going to be an absolute mess but uh it should be it should be fun uh and i'll I'll be taking help and hints from folks as far as like maybe some tech because i know none of the tech for that game there's like one clip i know that's like i think allowed and either way i'm gonna end up using it because it helps advance the early game um that and uh i did manage to uh get a 3070 graphics card and redo my computer so i was like you know what it's time to catch up on some pc games while I'm not in too many tournaments, and uh, I finished playing through Just Cause Four, which is like kind of old, but uh, you know a lot of mindless fun with that I had, uh, we'll say. And uh, I just moved on to Red Dead Redemption Two finally, and I'm having a lot of fun yeah. with that too. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed the first one, and I was super excited about the second one. And then they delayed the PC release, so I tried to, you know, forget about it. And it's been out for a while. I was like, it was on sale. It's the time to do it. So playing through that, having some fun. And, um, yeah, I guess
0: that's pretty much it. Yeah. That's a super fun game. I'm excited for you. Have you started it yet?
1: Yeah. I'm like, maybe I I just got into chapter two. Uh, I started it this week and I've had not a whole lot of time to play it. I think maybe I've got like five hours in, uh, I, I wasted one of those hours playing dominoes just because I was like, you there's like a l- little mini <laughs> side game. Let's, <laughs> let's see what happens. And I just, you know, was playing dominoes for an hour and was like, well, I just wasted a lot of time.
0: Let me know how much time you spend on your cowboys, personal grooming and like beard length and uh, clothing and hats and all <laughs> That's that. Cause thing? I wasted a, a, oh, yeah. a oh yeah. Oh totally yeah. You can dress up yes. your cowboy. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Erf, what about you?
2: Uh, well, my Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash herfydurfy and uh, I've been playing a lot of indie games lately. Um, I don't really have a specific shout out. Uh, I've played through Death Door, which was fun. It's a little souls-like, but I feel like it's more Zelda-like than it is souls-like because despite being kind of hard and you're dying quickly, you don't really lose any- anything when you die. You just start over. So it's not really, you know, you don't lose your your level up things or whatever. So it's not really too punishing and definitely fun to go through. It's really pretty. Um, I've played through Blaster Master Zero 3. That just came out uh, on Thursday this week. So mm. about a week ago when this episode released, not quite. Uh, the last in the Blaster Master Zero trilogy by Inti Creates awesome metroidvania games and the spirit of the original nes blaster master uh they look great they play great can recommend all three of them They're great fun
0: uh what else have i played uh, i think that's really it for for the most part at the moment hmm. i've heard uh, several people recommend Death Store. now i have to check that one out uh that's and finally fun. yeah and finally, we have our guest, F. Coughlin. Uh, tell us your Twitch handle and uh, something you've you've been into lately.
3: All right. So, I'm, again, my Twitch handles is uh, twitch.tv slash F. Coughlin. Very exciting handle. Um, <laughs> but basically, you know, a lot of this, I've been in a bunch of the various tournaments, although I, for A Link to the Past, those are mostly dying down. Uh, I haven't really done a lot of, like, modern PC gaming. I've been playing a bit of, like, uh, among Us and Goose stuff, which has actually been a fun variation like, you know, similar to Among Us but uh, it definitely has like, the proximity chat built in, a bunch of roles so you don't have to worry about installing mods uh, similar to that so if you've got a bunch of friends who are playing games I think it's still free technically on uh, on Steam at least and they've got I think a mobile version coming out pretty soon. But if you've got some friends to play with and, uh, you know, like to play those types of games, that's definitely been uh, a fun activity. And I've also been going back to play, you know, original FF1 again uh, to be able to do that. I might pick up the remastered version at some point to see how things are going, but uh, to get back to my speed runs of the manipulated category of FF1, because I'd Mm -hmm. like to get that to be under uh, two hours and nine minutes.
0: Nice. Um, so, you know, I would have to imagine handling, you know, Z1R, SMB3R, all of those, those are those probably take up a fair amount of time. Do you have any other sort of like projects that uh, you've been thinking about, like other randomizers, ROM hacks, things like that?
3: Uh, bits and pieces. I've got an idea for a Z1 uh, ROM hack I kind of really want to do. Um, main problem for me the last couple of months is that I've got some puzzle books that I've been writing that you know are going to get published at some point, probably early next year. But I've got a book deadline coming up in about two weeks for one of those books. So oh. really, a lot of my free time has been spent on trying to uh, write out the puzzles and write programs to generate the images for those types of logic puzzles. So, um, been doing that for a bit, but I think once that dies down, I think I'm definitely going to be, you know, making some good, hopefully good Z one ROM hacks and possibly playing through some more various ROM hacks and stuff on stream too. I'm thinking.
0: Wow. Super cool. Talk, talk more about these puzzle books. Is this something you've done before or is this your, your first published uh, books?
3: I have one book that's been published in the past. Um, It's got a bunch of logic puzzles in it. Some of them are like Sudoku, um, for those who are familiar with that puzzle type. Other, you know, some math puzzles is too. There's Kakuro, which is kind of like doing a crossword. But instead of being given, you know, word clues, you know, like, you know, animal that barks for three letters or stuff like that you're given a number and you know that the number in that row the digits add up to that number so like let's say it's six and there's three digits you know that they're one two three but you have to figure out what order they go in to fit in with the crosswords so there can be a lot of interesting logic there um some other maze type puzzles you know mastermind puzzles things like that um are in we're in the first book that i did that one got published when did that one get published 2019 i want to say somewhere around there and then i just had a couple more there's one more that's currently in the publication process that's going through it's already gone through all the uh the reviews and stuff so at some point that'll be coming out i don't have exact dates yet on that and i'm trying to work on one for with the puzzles being targeted a bit more for you know Kids-ish, like, you know, probably like, you know, late elementary, early middle school type Mm. kids. So trying to get some fun puzzles for those. So some mazes, some logic puzzles, some, you know, match these things, some math stuff, all trying to work that stuff in because, you know, that's stuff I love to do as a kid as well. And so just trying to work those along and give uh, others the chance to experience that as well.
0: Yeah, that is super cool. I, I I found a uh like Simon and Schuster uh publishing page that has these books here. So we'll definitely uh, put a link to those in the description and uh good luck uh working towards that deadline for, for the next books. Oh thank you. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Go Mode. We will be back again next week with part two of the interview with F Coughlin. Uh, F Coughlin, once once again, one final time. Thank you so much for uh, being on it and and sharing with us.
3: Thank you for the time, folks. It's been a blast. It's been a pleasure to talk to you all. Thank you for the for the chance to be on here.
0: All right. And on behalf of my co-host, Dante and Herphy Durfee, I've been Tim. Let's go ahead and mirror out.